have no idea what loss is. You have no idea what loss is. I reckon it's got something to do with that girl. He's got everything to do with that little girl. I can take care of myself! How many close calls have we had? Can't be any worse out there. Can it? Every guy in this room is staring at you right now. Maybe they're staring at you. Maybe they're jealous of you. I'm... just a girl. Not a threat. Welcome to the world of The Last of Us, it's Entertainment Talks podcast for the Naughty Dog video game series and the HBO and Sky Atlantic television show. I'm your host Matthew, joining me today, my co-host is David. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Awesome. Uh, This is for Season 1, Episode 3. Again, we are watching this one a little bit earlier, as we explained before, and we'll be doing the same thing for Episode 4, and then Episode 5 will be back to uh, a normal schedule. But this is season one, episode three. It's called Long, Long Time. Um, bit of a different episode, a uh, bit of a longer episode. But what did you think of it? I really love this episode. Um, if if you're listening to Walking Dead, this is how you do bottle episodes. <laughs> um, I thought one of us was about to say that. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, it technically sort of is a bottle episode, but um, it's longer. So... There is Joel and Ellie stuff bookending it quite substantially um, at either end. And this is very much the episode of of sort of Frank and Bill and that relationship, which if I remember correctly in the games, you don't actually meet either of those characters, do you? There there are letters going backwards and forwards um, that they find around the property. Isn't that how it plays out? I Oh, you you fully meet Bill, but you don't meet Frank. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there, there's this sort of uh, yeah. So it's it, it's telling that story, which um, is really quite stunning. I mean, it's it's beautifully cast. It's beautifully told of just this these two guys who meet in the middle of this sort of post-apocalyptic world and um fall in love and and how that relationship goes over a number of years and um i i just thought it was it was absolutely superb this sort of particularly the central episode central bit of this episode which follows that story i thought was really quite beautiful and wonderful um a few little bits of action pieces is not as many infected in this episode uh, as you know there's there's less of that sort of stuff but um just really lovely and and well told i thought this was uh, very very enjoyable and ties directly into the main story as well uh just again another top notch episode from this show i thought Absolutely. Uh pretty much agree with everything you've just said. Um, it seems, uh, yeah, so, uh, some people that have seen the episode have kind of said that it's uh, the, the, those same qualities, but then they've said that same thing about episodes one and two, because they're both quality episodes as well. Yeah. Um, it's really quite, like, 
because now that obviously episode two has come out for the public uh, as of a few days ago, it's quite staggering to see. And I, I don't know if it is expected or if I'm if I'm completely surprised or whatever, but just the reception this show is getting is, yeah. Uh, on I mean, yeah, but we're still quite early, obviously, for the public. It's it's two episodes, but it's really quite incredible to see and uh, but delightful to see as well. I'm really really happy of how this has has turned out. Um, it'd be interesting to see what it's like for the rest of the season. Yeah, the um, the show actually has. Uh, the HBO released some numbers yesterday. Said it's had its largest jump from a premiere episode to a second episode ever on HBO. It's gone up. The viewing figures have gone up something like twenty two percent. And usually, from episode one to episode two, regardless of how good the show is, the numbers either stay the same, maybe go up a little bit, but quite often they drop because a lot of people tune in to see the premiere and then people go, "No, it's not for me," and tune away. This has gone up. 22% in its second episode. Yeah, that's which is staggering. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's pretty wild, but it's it's really awesome to see. Um because yeah, the plus day one numbers or whatever it was went up quite a bit from last yeah, week's think, episode. So I think uh, it's on 15 million episode one at the moment and um in this is US numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the second episode the the live next day numbers were 5.7 million up from like 4 million something in the first episode so. Hmm. Nice. Um but yeah, I I thought throughout the episode this was a very quality delicately sort of put together episode. Like there's so yeah. many sort of like quality of life little sort of touches and the way the way the episodes performed particularly as well um by mainly by uh bill and frank's actors obviously you got uh nick hoffman as well who's perfect for uh for bill which i didn't have any any doubts about that but it, it's one thing being uh, like hearing that an actor is going to do a role and another thing to actually see it um, and you get to see a little bit of a different side to him that you don't really see in the games, which is I, I'm so I'm slowly noticing. Well, it, it it was kind of clear what they were gonna be doing with the show, but it's been really interesting to see the way that um, if if you think of let's say you had a piece of paper and you said, okay, this is gonna be what people would expect episode three to be or two or whatever. You're sort of cutting around parts of it, trimming off parts of it, so like the gameplay stuff, but then also, let's say, getting other bits of paper or whatever and putting extension parts onto it and sort of stitching that together as a as like a different episode because they are cutting certain things out and cutting certain things away, but they're also adding other things. Yeah. But I suppose for the video game audience, that's sort of like, hey, if you want to just have the original story, you've got the games there exactly and for yeah. people that are more like you know t- t- tv only people this is like the tv alternative story because you're still getting the same story you're just getting it told in a slightly different way but mm-hmm. yeah it's just the, the the delicacy of this episode that that really uh stood out and how kind of i don't know like you said beautifully told uh, i thought the performances were really really top notch uh, which is important for a sort of quieter bottle episode that mainly focuses on the two people i know you do have some joel and ellie things going on but um really relies on that on that performance um so i thought that was that was pretty amazing it was also sort of this wasn't really going to be one of those episodes where it's like um 
the same thing as episode two because episode two was like the creepy the horror stuff and the 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 stuff that you deem more quote-unquote exciting right whereas this isn't necessarily the exciting parts of the last of us this is more the sort of um emotional parts of it and i know you had the emotional stuff with tess last week but you had more kind of like the clickers and everything else that was that was sort of going on last week as well um and uh it was it was more for for me as a person who's played the games it was more of a curious point as to okay you know they're going to do certain things with this story like bill with his traps and his paranoia and like fundamental parts of his character but then we knew that okay they're going to expand upon frank and we re- we don't really hear much about frank as a person and we hear in the games from Bill's perspective of like, oh yeah, he just ran off. He was kind of like, and he's like really annoyed with the world and all this kind of stuff, which comes across in his character. But you see, you see that pre sort of broken part of him, where it's him falling in love and him trying to like you know live this life with this with this man, which I thought was uh, really excellently told. So um, again, it's filling in those gaps, but it's still telling you the main parts of the story. Um, I think. Uh, some people would watch this episode and assume, okay, Frank is definitely dead, which is what the show's probably trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a change because he doesn't die in the games. Although the one of the major differences here is, so you go on a bit of a journey with Bill as Joel, and obviously you've got Ellie as the NPC, and he kind of just like I think you you trade a car battery or or something like that because you still get the car at the end, which is what they get at the end of the episode here. Yeah. Um. And then he, he just kind of goes away and you don't see him. He's not in Last of Us 2 either. He's still out there and alive as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what, what do you think of kind of those, those differences? Like as to whether he is dead or not or, or what's what's kind of going on? Um, I would say in the show, yes, he is dead. Um, I, I understand the changes that they made from the game. I've just looked up the, the game story as well. I, I think it's it's really lovely the way that they presented it and the way that they handled those two characters in the TV show. And it made perfect sense to the point that I couldn't remember whether it was just done as a series of letters or whether you do actually, like, meet Bill. But I, just reading through what actually happens in the games, it seems it's the very sort of, you know, he meets Bill, Bill sends him basically off on a side quest uh, to, to go and fetch a battery, I think. Um, so, yeah, and, and in the games, Frank actually commits suicide by hanging himself. Yeah, like that's, that's how you find him when you come across so, him. Yeah. And it's either, I can't remember, it's either... Bill, as the NPC, takes the action to cut him down, or you do it. I can't. What? What? One of the two of you does that, but I can't remember which way around that is. So yeah. So I, I, <clears throat> I think the way that it plays out in the TV show is incredibly satisfying, and I, I, I think they did such a beautiful job of telling that story. And mm. you don't necessarily miss having, you know, an interaction between Bill and joel there uh it it works without it so you know you because you get the letter at the end as well which ellie sort of starts to read and then joel picks up and 
that kind of explains it um, in there. So I, I, I like how that relationship played out on the TV show, and mm-hmm. and I don't think it takes anything away. I think it does rather add to the story. You know, there's no, as we said before, the the thing, the unique thing about this TV show is the fact that the the only cast that our regulars are Joel and Ellie. So everybody else is kind of dispensable in some way. Um, so I, I like the fact that they, you know, they're wandering through this wasteland and people who were his friends, you know, are not necessarily there to help them. And it is very much about the pair of them being stuck together. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I think it works so well. Uh, I, I thought this was a really stunning episode. Yeah. Just a couple of points from the game that I want to mention as well. There's a funny little trophy you can get where... Um, so Frank leaves a note behind. Uh, Bill doesn't pick it up. You can go and pick it up as a collectible, um, which I think counts towards your collectibles, because obviously that's part of the trophies. And then if you take that note over to Bill, he kind of looks at it and sort of scoffs, because obviously he's annoyed and you know, heartbroken and whatever about the situation, he then scrunches it up and throws it on the floor. There's an additional separate trophy if you then go and pick the note back up. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's quite sort of crafty. Because um, there, there's a trophy of like, oh, go and pick up the note that Frank left for Bill. And I picked it up and I was like, I've, I've done that. What are you, why aren't you giving me the trophy? But no, there's an additional part where you've got to give it to him. He scrunches it up, puts it on the floor, and then you have to pick it up. Uh, and then you actually, I think, keep it as well. Uh, there's another point in the game as well, it, as we've seen from the episode, um, that he's got this like underground bunker with loads of weapons and ammo and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. There's a there's a very um, infamous cutscene for me to mention, and uh, also a gameplay mechanic in the fact that uh, when you go down there, um, I can't remember if that's when you get the shotgun, but it's where you get the nail bomb in the right. game. Uh, which is basically a bunch of like you know nails and screws and scissors and things like that. They're put into this metal container and they explode in a certain way. Obviously, yeah. like it's like a shrapnel thing. There's also a um, very uh, famous scene in the uh, when Ellie and Joel meet up with with Bill in the game. Um, let's let's just say Bill and and Ellie don't really get along that much because again uh bill is kind of uh paranoid and schizophrenic and all, all this kind of stuff and whatever like extremely paranoid about like everything and bill and joel are both like don't please just don't touch any of his stuff obviously ellie is a kid so she doesn't completely listen and uh she secretly takes these books with her now after they've left um bill they go off in in the same car that you see uh, at the end of the episode and she says to Joel oh I found these like magazines they look kind of funny and what's what why is there these guys in it <laughs> and um, uh, Joel starts because he's trying to concentrate on driving and not crashing and you know killing them both or whatever and he's like where did you get that and like what, what's what's going on because uh, she sort of secretly took them and then she mentions why are these all why are these pages all stuck together <laughs> <laughs> um, for for that, and uh, I'm not going to spell it out for you. You all know what's going on there. The, the game doesn't. Joel isn't sort of like, oh, this is why the the pages are stuck together. We we all know why the pages are stuck together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, and obviously Ellie 
doesn't understand all of that but um and Joel's Joel's just basically like just just put them away and just she ends up throwing them out the window so it's kind of uh it, it really works for who Bill is who Ellie is and who Joel is and that's quite a a cool thing so um yeah that's uh interesting as well um all right, I think we've done quite a lot. We've done quite a lot of pre-talk here, and we do have a, a, a fairly big recap to get to. Uh, one that uh, I wrote again because, of course, the, the public version isn't out yet. Uh, let's do some quick housekeeping, and then we'll get onto the recap and uh, take it from there. See you for all that in a minute. Hi there. If you're looking to get started with a website of your own and a domain name, we've got good news for you. With our affiliate link with Kualu, you can click on that link, which is in your show notes, which is for our affiliate link. You can go over to Kualu to get started with your website and domain name today. They've also got a very handy chat support system, which is usually in the bottom right hand corner to send messages back and forth to Kualu if you'd like to ask them for help to get started with your domain name and website today. So that's Kualu and you can use them to get started with your website and domain name today. Thank you very much to Kualu for this affiliate link. Hi there, if you'd like to get rid of the ads in Entertainment Talks podcast and listen to the ad-free versions of our episodes, we've got good news for you there as well. You can subscribe to Entertainment Talk at either the $5 level tier or $10 level tier. The $5 level tier will get you access to all of Entertainment Talk's previous ad-free podcasts and the future ad-free podcasts that we make in the month that you're subscribed for. If you also subscribe to us at the $10 level tier, that will get you that benefit that I've just mentioned, and it'll also grant you access to request a review for two episodes of a TV show and a general discussion on that show, or a film review of your choice. So if you if there's a TV show out there or a film that we've not covered perhaps and you'd like our opinion on it, we can watch two episodes of that TV show or film review. So it's one of either of those per month. Of course, if you continue subscribing each month, you can pick a TV show, then a film the next month and so on and so forth. This is a great way to support entertainment talk, get your ad-free podcasts and also get some reviews of your choice. Thank you very much for supporting us and thank you for listening. Back to the show. Alright, recently on Entertainment Talk, as of yesterday, which would be Tuesday, I did two new podcasts. Uh, one was called Why You Should Watch, which is my newest uh, review sort of thing for one of those. Uh, it's designed to tell you about a TV show, so the fundamental basics of like, you know, where can you watch it, who's in it, what's it about, and that sort of stuff. This one was for Atlanta, which you can watch on FX in the US and Star on Disney Plus in the UK. Fantastic, fantastic TV show, uh, particularly some episodes in the, in the fourth season. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a show that I'm going to be, going to be missing because, uh, going to, going to miss when the show's not on the air. So that was a fantastic season, season four, uh, which I finished yesterday. So I did one of those why you should watch podcasts for it. Uh, I did an episode called the Avatar Anomaly. Um, why have I done that or what is that? Um, Avatar The Way of Water is doing something quite strange, which is it's making a lot of money, but there isn't a lot of online discussion or pop culture relevant change to it and I compared that to a bunch of other franchises that have made a lot of money uh, so that was an interesting discussion to do there's there's no spoilers about anything to do with Avatar I've not seen the second film anyway uh, it was just it, a, it was just a discussion about you know the box office numbers and pop culture and where Avatar sits with all within all that and everything so um, Avatar Way of the Water got nominated for a best picture Oscar yesterday mm-hmm um, which I have to say I'm quite surprised by, but you know I've not seen the film. It may be absolute genius, but um, yeah, I was quite shocked that was in there. 
Yeah, so it's got that going on as well. Uh, obviously, what our podcast for The Last of Us, Season 1, Episode 2, and Season 1, Episode 1. Recently on the United cast, of course, there will be a game today and a game on Saturday, but those haven't happened yet. Uh, but recent results, we lost 3-2 away to Arsenal in the Premier League. Very, very unlucky game. Um, but it's all in Arsenal's hands to possibly go on and win the title. So we'll see what happens with that. Over on Gaming Talk, which is back this week, we talked about Hogwarts Legacy. There was a recent uh, gameplay showcase for that, so I talked about all of that. Suicide Squad looks like it might have a battle pass, which doesn't make any sense to anybody. Um, so there was all that and some like online stuff with it within that game. It looks like it's taken a bit of the Avengers approach uh, through through the uh, leaked image. And we also talked about some PlayStation VR 2 news. May Night also drew 1-1 away from home against Palace in the Premier League. Uh, Last of Us Season 1 Episode 1 review. Uh, Classic Reviews has now finished uh, for this recent mini-series for Disney and Pixar. Uh, that was covering The Incredibles, Monsters, Inc., Dinosaur, and the last episode, which is Hercules, all the animated films. So that was good to do. A month of Positive Creators has also finished for its uh, recent season. That's for January 2023. I talked about Noisy Butters Hannah, Chris Carr, Alana Pierce, and the last episode was for PlayStation Access. So you can check out those episodes. Over on the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 side, I did a multiplayer review of sorts and called it The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And you can check that one out as well. And that's what we've been doing recently on entertainmenttalk.org and on podcast platforms. Of course, in between now and when this episode comes out, there'll be another gaming talk and there'll be at least two more United Cast episodes, one of which is for today's game against Nottingham Forest and then the other one for Saturday's game against Reading. So we'll see how we get on for those. All right, uh, long, long time. We open with... uh, We didn't actually have a cold open. We went straight into the uh, intro sequence this... uh, this week, I also didn't notice my name wasn't floating around on the copy. Oh, for, for this one, which was I actually didn't sort of notice at all, and then yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm sure it. What I'm sure it was there somewhere. It, for those of you that don't know, when we get preview right. copies of shows, they they um, they emblazon your um, like name or email address across the copy to make sure that you kind of don't like copy it and upload it somewhere online. Right. Uh, so yes, that that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I should have explained that. Um, yeah, we open with Ellie and Joel uh, by a river of sorts. Close by, they discuss the deal, the battery for Ellie. Joel doesn't really want to talk about it because he doesn't really want to kind of talk about anything because of the mm-hmm. state that he's in again. Um, but Ellie sort of pries. Um, they have a bite to eat and they kind of move out. Um, they continue walking and talking until they get to a gas station. Joel mentions that he has supplies in there. They proceed. At this point, Joel is very cautious about just the whole situation, while Ellie, not being entirely loose about it, is a little bit more carefree because she's a 14-year-old teenager, and that's what some of them do. Um, Cue another optional conversation. Ellie goes over to an arcade game uh, like a little excited kid that she is, and she mentions that she's played it before. Um, Yeah, some of the layout for this was a little bit like it was sort of... um, intentionally tricky of of sorts because once she got to this arcade game i was like oh yeah i kind of remember where like i was trying to figure out the area that they were in as well because uh, they go past like a plane and stuff um in a minute as well so i was trying to figure out okay they're on their way to to bills um and then trying to because it is kind of like a big town of sorts that's got just lots of buildings and you come across different infected and whatnot. So um, I can't, I don't know if it's the exact same game, but there is a building you can go into with an optional conversation. 
Um, I'm su- I'm surprised that they're including optional conversations in this, but it is something very quick they can include, and it is something that's like kind of Easter egg esque, isn't it? Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool. So, uh, yeah, that this is before she goes off and sort of explores and and whatnot. Um, yeah, again, it's very interesting to see. Uh, what one of the continuing things we're going to have throughout the show is the two two of these people's relationships to each other, how they perceive each other, how they talk to each other, and how different that is from their first meeting when they try to attack each other yeah. uh, to what is going to probably happen in, I, I guess, a season finale where, where that's going to be at. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see, like, knowing, you know, what goes on with them in the game, to see this translated to screen yet again is, is really, really great. Um, but... It's particularly, I find it particularly even more interesting from Joel's perspective because Ellie isn't, you know, a broken person. Uh, she does know a certain amount of trauma, which the the show will get to eventually with the, the Left Behind episode. But, like, it's you got to remember also, it's also because, and again, this is where the watch symbolism for me comes in, with his broken, not just himself as a broken person, but his broken fatherhood and... Um, I think at times he doesn't know sort of what to make of of Ellie at, at certain points and um, probably does see his daughter in her at certain points as well. Of course, the same, you know, young young girl sort of thing. Um, but yeah, just, just seeing these two interact and how kind of they still don't really like each other. Um, they, they open up to each other now and again, but they know that they kind of have to do this, this thing. So, um, that's, that's kind of like the, the main point for me within, within all this. And that the, the optional conversation with the game was just like a bonus thing on top of everything. Um, what do you make of their relationship within this sort of first scene? Um, what's going yeah, on? I mean, you know, the, he's Joel, not only all the trauma he's already been through is, you know, obviously, reeling from the death of Tess as well. Um, And Ellie's kind of just sort of rolling with it. And and this is a a really cute, like little scene, particularly with the arcade game and, and this wonder of just being out in the world and seeing all this stuff that she's like, you know, not really experienced before. Uh, and and you know we see more of that here and uh, yeah well the arcade game well she's has sort of played one or at least seen one before you know she's uh, the, the the just the excitement of of stuff like that um, yeah I, it's it's really interesting seeing this relationship grow and develop yeah definitely um, I think a good way to put it would be Ellie finds this world exciting, whereas Joel finds it just incredibly dangerous in every mm-hmm. single way, shape, and form. Um, not, yeah. not, not quite to the paranoid level that Bill does, and that's where the, the differences come in between those two. But, um, but yeah, because he, you know, not only doesn't want to lose another person, but like he's got to escort this girl to where she's got to go. Also, doesn't want to get himself killed, obviously, as well. So, and he's just not quite sure. Because he knew his daughter, and that obviously, and the, the, obviously there's, there's parts of Ellie that probably remind, remind him of Sarah, and probably not in good ways as well. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. There's a couple of little like video gamey sort of stuff that was going through my mind as well. Um, there's a couple of shots here um, where Joel is. There's like a, a camera position where Joel is looking on the shelves, 
and there's like some glass behind him. I was like, yeah, you'd go up to that and you'd, you'd press square to, to smash it. And then <laughs> the, the, if there's any supplies, they'll have a little, a little shine on them just to let you know that they're supplies. And then you'd, you'd pick them up. Um, I can't remember what it was. There was something that Ellie did as well that I was like, oh yeah, you'd press that to do this. And that's the sort of thing that runs through my mind <laughs> when I'm watching these, uh, these episodes. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that go through my mind while I'm watching this particular show, but, um, yeah, there's certain like interactions and things. I was like, yeah, you'd go up to that and press that to do this, <laughs> whatever. So, uh, particularly with the optional conversation, you'd go up to it and you'd press a uh, triangle, or you might not press anything. Maybe you'd walk straight past it. So, uh, Joel and Ellie uh, then slightly break off as they explore different areas. Joel is sort of staying in the main uh, part of the store, while Ellie slightly wanders off. Um, not quite Carl Walking Dead season two. She's not like left the building and gone out to the to the woods. Uh, like Cole used to used to do in The Walking Dead, but she's kind of wandering off a bit. Um, by doing so, ends up in a basement of sorts and comes across a stalker. Uh, I've got something to mention about episode two with that as well. Uh, so it's no longer a runner, but not quite a clicker yet. It's the uh, part of the like the fungi that's like the percentage that is sort of taken over them because this is this is the way they evolve over time, and they mm-hmm. can get really really big from doing this as well. Yes. Uh, she sees it that it's uh, trapped because it initially makes a noise and it's a bit of like a horror, scary sort of thing. Um, but it's trapped, so she's fine. Uh, she gets curious about it and she sort of cuts the top of his head and you can see some stuff in there. Uh, Joel hears some noise and of course gets uh, panicked and kind of calls out for her. Um, after this, Ellie comes back and asks why he's storing a machine gun. Um, he explains... Um, there's not enough ammo for it, and it's not worth taking. And she asks if she can take it. Of course, she cannot. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I love all the different scenes. We've had like three or four of them now, where it's like Ellie sort of, "Hey, there's this gun. Can I take it? No. Uh, can I take this gun? No." And then there's the bit at the start of last week's episode, uh, where obviously Tess is there with them, and uh, she's like, "Hey, can I have a gun?" They're both like, "No, you can't have <laughs> yeah. one." So uh, don't forget, she, she does have her um, butterfly knife, so she's not like completely defenseless um but again it's that trust element of like i shouldn't really give you a gun yet because uh, like we've sort of just met like you mm-hmm. know, with, with joel and ellie so that's interesting that's also an interesting this is all like hiding the gun thing is a very interesting way to look at the mechanics because if you want to put your assault rifle away and get anything else out you just press left or right <laughs> and then he he puts it in his uh mysterious backpack and uh, get something else out. Um, yes. Because obviously, in, in in when you play games like, I don't know, Red Dead Redemption or GTA or Last of Us, you've got like assault rifles, submachine guns, RPGs, and you just pop them in your back and take out the the other one that you've got. But of course, that doesn't work for a live action TV show. So uh, that was kind of interesting to see. Uh, but Joel's main gun is his like revolver thing. So uh, he's, he's going to be using that from now on. Um, do you think this makes sense, what Joel's doing, to, to put the gun away because I guess it's going to encumber him and well, there, there's not enough ammo for it? Yeah, I mean, that does make sense. You don't want to be carrying what is essentially a glorified stick around if you've not got the actual ammo for it. Uh-huh. Um, and if, and, and I mean, he says, you know, he says, there's not much ammo out there for, for one of these, so there's no point in me kind of hulking it around, which, I mean, makes perfect sense, mm-hmm. you know. 
rifles there's going to be a lot more ammo around for something like a rifle and you know if you've got one of those if you picked up one of those you then what do you do with the ar-15 that or whatever it was that you're carrying it about so um yeah i think it makes perfect sense to go and stash this somewhere as you say i mean in, in a depending on the video game but i mean in a lot of video games it is like you have an infinite backpack um yeah just swap them out so you you just kind of you know you can be carrying twenty guns and just sort of you know whatever the you want you're sort of picking up you know you've got RPGs and all sorts of things, um, so it does sort of it's a nice little way of getting round him not having to kind of carry that gun. But again, there is a certain amount of value to that gun, so you don't just want to throw it away and leave it on a roadside. No, he knows um, it's there if he, if, if yeah, he needs he to kn- come back. So. Yeah, if he needs to come back, because it may be, even if you can't find bullets for it, it might be useful to trade for something at mm-hmm. some point. So, you know, yeah. at least stashing it rather than carrying it around makes perfect sense. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And the, the little scene with the infected and Ellie, I rather like, you know, because she's kind of going off and exploring and you have her jumping down into this sort of basement. And, um, yeah, I, I really like that. It's the curiousness of Ellie, which, mm-hmm. you know, as you say, that you are in the situation where Joel sees danger everywhere, whereas Ellie is just has this sort of wonderment about this world and while she knows it's sort of dangerous it's all completely new to her so yeah yeah it's really good um yeah this is this is called a stalker um it functions differently like obviously in the show and in and in the game um because differences between the three the a runner is more looked at as like a traditional zombie they're still an infected person but they kind of are more ordinary zombie like because uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're, like I said, uh, I think in the first episode, they're similar to sort of like the Black Summer zombies, but they're runners, whereas the Black Summer ones are literally sort of sprinters, if you want to call them that, and mm-hmm. like completely just relentless. Nothing will sort of get them down unless you actually put them down. Uh, like you can't knock it over and it, it won't sort of stay down type of thing. So because it will just get straight back up and keep jumping around. Um, clickers, of, uh, sorry, stalkers, as we've just seen, um, that's actually the type of one that's well, technically kills Tess. For some for some reason in my mind, when I saw that um, stalker in the scene, I just looked at it as another infected. Maybe I wasn't sort of like, I don't know. I, I looked at it and I didn't register it as sort of a, a, a stalker. Uh, and then somebody actually mentioned, and then I looked at it again. I was like, oh yeah, it looks like a, like a stalker. Um, they're, they're a bit more regular in the second game. Maybe that's why I didn't kind of think about that. I knew they were in the first game, but they're a lot more regular in in sort of the second game and there's like a few different sort of set pieces with them in in that one um stalkers is kind of like an odd combination of it's um i think that yeah they can see and and hear obviously that the clickers can't see as we saw in in last week's episode um but they'll kind of work on ways to sort of flank you and they're, they're really really annoying to deal with in the game <laughs> um i i mean the, the toughest enemies i would say in the game is probably the clickers because you can't melee combat them whereas you can with some of the other stuff um obviously if you come across one of the big big ones you're not going to go and you know get joel's fist and start punching it um so that that's a bit different but i i usually like if i'm coming across any enemies in the game and i see clickers that's when i get the most worried just because the way they can insta kill you um because you can't uh because if like the moment you try press square to, to hit them if you don't have a like weapon weapon on you they'll just 
get you in, in, in one sort of hit. Um, but yeah, stalkers are more frustrating on, like, they'll sort of attack you for a bit, then run off, then sort of, like, try and flank you and stuff. It's, uh, they, they've got their own little little ways of fighting. So, um, any thoughts on the different infected that we've seen so far? Um, <clears throat> not particularly, because, I mean, I've not got really... It's been so long since I played the game... <laughs> uh, you know trying to compare the two but yeah it has been sort of interesting seeing you know the 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 progression of them which i know you get in the game as well but this sort of progression of them from sort of the mildly infected which is is kind of the runners and then you've got sort of the stalkers and the ones that cover their faces which are the clickers which you know there's there is a logic to how they've evolved in various different ways and then you've got mm-hmm. sort of bloaters and stuff later on which are the the really big ones so it it makes a nice sort of logical sense of okay this is the starting point of being an infected human and, and then they've evolved into these sort of different things due to the amount of of um stuff they've got on them. so i yeah it, I, I really like how mm. That is set up, and I know a lot of that comes from the game. So, yeah, because how I understand it is, it just grows more and more and just covers more of their body. Because mm-hmm. um, if you look at a runner, it's got like nothing really on it. Then a stalker's got like bits on it, and then the clicker's like, well, they're, they're nicknamed like mushroom heads, um, <laughs> which I think is funny. Uh, yeah. And then it turns into that, and then with the bigger ones, it takes on more of their like arms and body, and actually makes them bigger. So it just it just takes over more and more of your body. Uh, over time so which is horrifying to think about but then that's a horror element to it so um anyway after this (coughs) um they proceed along the road again uh joel mentions that he wants to take a different route as there's something he doesn't want her to see she gets curious because of course she does uh and he shows her it's essentially a ditch of sorts with lots of bones and bodies and whatnot in it um, he then explains about Fedra not allowing people to join them if they're at capacity. Uh, they then eventually come across a crashed plane and have different views, uh, which again is an interesting part of them both. He's more sympathetic to those who flew while Ellie thinks it's cool that people even could fly on planes. Um, yeah, this shot of the, the bones is one from the trailer, if I remember correctly, because, you know, I watched that first trailer once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it so many times. Um... That cuts straight to like the the clicker scene afterwards in the uh, in the trailer. Obviously, that doesn't happen here because that scene's already happened. Um, so, from what I'm understanding with this, and again, this is a little bit more expanding on the the sort of lore of Fedra, is if their vans and whatnot were at capacity, they would just kill you. That's kind of what I understand yeah. from this. And then, of course, your body just erodes after time, and you you end up like that. But um, it looked as if these were sort of because this is even where my knowledge doesn't even come through quite so much because this is the expansion part of things. Um, this is like a pickup point, maybe, or they sort of found yeah. people around here. And um, I guess if some people were more, I mean, I suppose if you were more resistant and you're like, okay, okay, you can't take me with you, I'll just sort of walk on my own. Maybe they don't shoot you, but then I suppose if you're more because of the state of the world and how urgent people are to do things you would kind of plead and beg with them of like hey please you've got to pick me up because obviously the world's dangerous and then if you resist too much they would just shoot you on the spot mm-hmm. um i think there's a there's a few like smaller bones there as well yeah uh, which indicates that they either by accident or intentionally had shot some some children which is obviously quite dark which again is one of the reasons that 
Uh, Joel didn't want Ellie to see this. I mean, nobody would want to look at this, but uh, still. So, um, but I suppose Joel uses this as kind of, okay, you're very curious as a kid, you know, um, and this is going to be me kind of showing you, like preparing you and showing you the darker side of the world because there is a very dark side to this world out there and he knows that because of what happens with Sarah and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, this was a new interesting part for them to put in, which I, I was curious about their two perspectives of it as well because they, they show the shot in the trailer but they don't give any context as to mm-hmm. what it's to do with which is uh really cool so something very very dark but necessary for the world building and the and the storytelling i think um what did you think of the the ditch particularly yeah it's interesting with that because one of the things you've got to bear in mind is fedra's trying to rescue obviously as many people as it can but if it runs out of space what do you do with the people left behind? Because people that you leave behind are then have the possibility that they could get infected. And you're essentially then giving soldiers to the enemy because Mm -hmm. the more people that are left behind, there is it. Is it better to leave them to try and survive on their own or to shoot them to stop them getting infected? And I'm sure that is a calculation which is has been done at some level of Fedra of like, well, what do we do with these these people? As as horrific as that is, there is also a certain logic to it in that, you know, well, if we leave these people with no defense that are, are you know, we can't take them with us, with us and there is infected in this area you are potentially creating a bunch more infected by leaving them alive. Which is a really dark thing to have to think about. But, um, yeah, I, I, that, that, I, I mean, so I will, you know, I'm not agreeing with Frederick, like shooting a bunch of people and maybe they could have come back and, you know, left them and, and come back for them. I, I don't know, but, uh, and and maybe uh, you say some of them might be violent and might be trying to sort of you know if they're they're desperately clamoring to get on the buses and they were going to stop the buses from leaving so you couldn't then you can't save anybody because you know it's like people trying to jump onto a life raft and sinking it you know um, mm-hmm. yeah so yeah I mean it, it is you don't know what chaos was around there at the time so. Uh, but yeah, and and also the point of view on the planes as well. You know, Ellie's. I, I love that sort of Ellie's wonderment of like you got to fly in a plane, you got to fly in the air. That's so cool. And like Joel's sort of yeah, until it crashes. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I really like that little exchange. It's a really good bit of of sort of building, and again, sort of showing this sort of wonderment of Ellie and Joel's sort of more this realist. Mm. Yeah, the, the, these two parts here are very good for, you know, the character building, the relationship development as well between the two, and them both seeing each other, seeing, like, these things from, from different perspectives, I think is uh, not only interesting, but relatively important. So, uh, that's very cool. Uh, very dark, but very cool. So, um, that's it for Joel and Ellie at the moment. We'll pick up with them at the end of the episode. Co- uh, cut to a man living alone and very fortified uh, taking the lone survivor approach. We learn soon that this man is called Bill, played by Nick Offerman. Uh, 
he gets a security alert and checks it out. A guy has fallen into a ditch and Bill investigates him with a few questions. He eventually lets him in and gives him dinner. Uh, they're both very, very cautious, especially Bill. He's still carrying his gun around and whatnot. Uh, there's clearly some time that's, that's passed here as well with the meal and stuff. Like we don't we don't sit there and see them eating for for 15 minutes because we don't <laughs> yeah. have time for that in the episode. Uh, so that obviously has a little bit of time passing there. After the meal, Frank spots a piano because um, the conversation is kind of, "Hey, yeah, can you like have this meal and then sort of leave?" But they start yeah. to sort of. Um, Frank tries to come up with ways of like, okay, how can I kind of stay here? Um, and it's through this sort of like small initial small talk of like, oh, you have a piano, on like, can I play it and this sort of stuff. Um, Bill is not quite happy with his uh, musical performance, let's say, and plays the piano himself. The two have kind of struck a chord at this point. Frank asks, um, I, I didn't write down the name of the song because I don't know what it was. Uh, Frank asks, who is the girl? Um, is because of the song. Uh, Bill says there is no girl, and then there's like this. Like, again, delicate, gentle sort of moment of pause, um, and then they end up end up kissing. Um, so yeah, this is Frank's first appearance. Um, I'll say he kind of technically makes an appearance, but he's dead when you see him in the games um, because none of this happens in the games, which is the interesting extension part of it. Um, yeah, fr- right from beginning to end of these Bill scenes, apart from obviously the more action-heavy stuff that we do see, um, all of these like in-house types of scenes between Bill and Frank are just really beautifully, gently, and excellently performed, I -hmm. thought. And, you know, it's interesting, um, on on Geek Town this week, the the portion that I've listened to, and Daryl was kind of saying, you know, he wasn't interested because it was a zombie show. And straight away I thought, this this isn't a zombie show. Obviously not not everybody does know that, I do understand. Um, But you look at, an episode like this, you look at scenes like this and the ones that we have, this is very much a human story, just in mm-hmm. a zombie sort of invested, or an infected, infested sort of world, um, which gives you the opportunity to do these sorts of stories. Um, but yeah, right, right from beginning to end, this was so just like excellent, excellently performed by both of them. And it was really, really good that they're able to take this bit of time um and uh, do some of these these stories with uh with frank um neil Druckmann's spoken before um i don't know if it's on the remastered version or the ps3 version but on the part one which is the ps5 version of last of us part one um you can get like director commentary um and it has ashley who's who's ellie of course troy who's who's joel and neil who's the uh director of the game and now the co-president of naughty dog and uh, the three of them talk about some of the processes for different scenes that they only do talk when the cutscenes are happening because they can't really talk when the gameplay is happening because what would they say? Because uh, this stuff is all pre-recorded. And um, Ashley asks him a couple of times about Bill and obviously the process with that. And they don't like directly spell out Bill's uh, relationship with Frank as much as they do here, which is the whole point of this episode. But Neil does mention and does say that when he was writing for the character of Bill, he did intend for him to be gay. It's just not like, like, cause you you can read into it yourself as you as Bill talks about Frank and you see the note and you see how Bill is acting in terms of what's happened to Frank, and you can see okay there was something more here because he kind of just refers to him as like my partner, 
mm-hmm. um, and the way that he tries to explain that is sort of like, oh my my partner out in the field, you know, the the, the guy that I sort yeah. of fought with, as opposed to his uh, his boyfriend. Um, so knowing that kind of going in was was very interesting as well. So um, anyway, what do you think of this first little kind of scene with uh, with Bill and Frank? So I I really like this um, the the way that this is introduced because you've got um, Nick Offerman playing playing Bill as this sort of gruff survivalist, um, you know, kind of very much on his own, solitary, hates the world, yeah, and then this guy frank literally falls into a hole in front of him and um the performance by frank is so kind and so beautiful it's a guy called he's an australian actor called murray bartlett is the uh, guy that plays frank and um you may have seen him in white lotus i think was one of the most recent things he's done uh he did pop up in iron fist apparently as well and nashville for a couple of episodes but um yeah, just just that sort of relationship of of Frank kind of feeling out where Bill was and the whole piano thing, and I I, I really like how they sort of introduced this and and how they got it to the point that they kiss. I think he's it was just really lovely, and and you know. Nick Offerman's performance was great. Murray's performance was brilliant as well. I I really really like this uh, this setup and and this sort of uh, you know their first meeting. I thought was really lovely. Mm, definitely. So yeah, a very very good start to this particular story. Uh, after a bit of time with Frank and Bill, including a scene with the two of them in bed together, uh, we go forward a little bit in time uh, to when Tess and Joel are visiting. Um, we actually go. Back is that backwards? In, no, yeah, Back, forwards, yeah. forwards in time. Forward, yeah. forwards, from, <laughs> forwards from this point, backwards from from the main story. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, to when they're 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 more settled in, in their lives together. Uh, Joel and Tess are visiting. Very good to see. Uh, I think Anatov again. Um, fantastic yeah. performances as Tess. Um, they're both visiting. The top of uh, Bill being a great cook comes up again. Um, notably from Tess. As Tess and Frank discuss a few things, Joel and Bill discuss uh, Bill and Frank's safety. Bill doesn't want anything and eventually tells Joel, I think we'll be fine. Uh, One of the things that Joel mentions here is like, hey, the wire on your fence, it's going to erode and raiders are going to come in the middle of the night and like they'll come in silently with guns. And it's not to, to scare Bill, it's to just, it's because bill is so kind of like nope i'm gonna do all this myself i'm gonna like just take care of myself by myself i don't want anything from anybody basically he struggled to like you know let frank into his life obviously they're settled now but um and joel uh you know has has a different sort of perspective on that so this this is a friend very much trying to help a friend Mm-hmm. But because um, they are friends, as much as well, you know, Bill. And, Bill does kind of say by the end, like, "Oh, I, I always hated you," and this kind of stuff. But whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, at, at this point in the conversation, they're actually not really friends. I mean, this is this is um, quite early on where Frank has met Joel and Tess and has sort of brought them back for dinner, and Bill's not really happy about it. And yeah. 
they want to trade and they're explaining who they, they've sort of explained who they are and they're, they're sort of flat around having the meal and, and sort of Bill's doing the thing of having his gun on the table still and and all that sort of stuff whereas Frank's far far more laid back and you know mm-hmm. wants to make connections to other people whereas Bill really doesn't um, and the way this plays out I think is, is, is really nice and the way that you say Joel's sort of looking at the fences going you know those fences are going to corrode um, they're not going to survive. You are going to need help. You know, we have wire that we can bring you that will protect you. And and Bill's like, no, we'll be okay. You know, and doesn't want everything, anything. Whereas Frankie's is very much more open to having, you know, some form of even if it's just a couple of people connection to the outside world. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I like seeing these four interact because. Yeah, a portion of them never do. Obviously, Tess in the game doesn't get anywhere near to where uh, where Bill and Frank is. Uh, Frank's dead by the time you get to him in the game. Um, and I, I kind of appreciate. I can appreciate it from a, an adaptation standpoint that okay, this doesn't tell the same story as what the game does. But as somebody who already knows that story, this is telling me different parts of it. So now I kind of have the full picture of like okay, yeah. what happened. Um, you know when they met and what happened before and all this kind of stuff so it's a very very cool addition so again this is that same thing that i same metaphor i discussed before of like cutting around things but then adding things to it but still keeping the core of what's there which is important so um yeah very very good stuff uh speaking of raiders breaking in which joel does warn uh bill about cut to a night scene where a few raiders are attempting to break into bill and frank's place a bunch of traps including a makeshift frame flamethrower of sorts there's like a bunch of them uh go off and do in fact deal with the group of raiders bill is out sniping in the open i have questions about that <laughs> sniping <laughs> yeah. as, as frank makes his way outside frank's very panicked picks up a pistol all that kind of stuff um bill gets uh what up not to get shot uh but not fatally frank brings him inside and deals with his wounds and the traps deal with the rest of the raiders um i love uh after bill gets brought in and he's like oh don't worry about that like the fence will just take care of him like he can't even see what's going on he's like oh i i, I know my traps well enough that it, it will take care of all of them and it actually does like that's that's yeah. the man who you know is building things with confidence um this isn't a like me knocking the episode or anything like that why is bill not in cover or like why why is he standing in the middle of the street um because you can hear like a um slowly paced particular shot every now and again obviously that's bill because he's got to use the bolt on his either his sniper or his rifle whatever he's got and he kind of wondered, obviously, where it was from, and you can hear like a bunch of other shots, which is obviously the the group of them, because you can kind of hear it in the audio, the way that they're differently sort of paced out. And yeah, he's just kind of standing there in the open. Now we we do kind of see shots of this in the trailer; they're very brief and doesn't give you any context. Um, yeah, again, I'm I'm not blaming that on like writing or character problems. It's just a silly decision that bill makes and it does get well, him actually shot so yeah i like, mean it's, it's in some respects it, it says something to bill's character of the fact uh, yeah that, you know yeah. this is my home it's i feel safe here i'm going to stand in the middle of my street and shoot at these people that are trying to come in and um yeah i mean yes it's a stupid thing to do but it also i i think comes across as something that bill probably would do 
you know yeah I agree um, with that. yeah so so yeah i mean it, it, from a writing standpoint and from a character standpoint it does sort of make sense uh and um yeah, I mean, and I I like this sort of transition because you know the opening of the next scene is is quite a nice sort of little fake out kind of twist, as well. Uh, but um, because the opening of the next shot, you see somebody out on the porch in a wheelchair, and you're like, "Oh no, Bill's in a wheelchair," mm-hmm. and it isn't Bill, and and. I, I really like sort of how they they did that. Um, and yeah, the reaction, sort of the difference between Frank and Bill. Frank's sort of running around panicking, going, oh, we're being raided. And Bill's like, yeah, the traps will sort it out. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, um, but yeah, it's, it's a really kind of nice little scene that of, of sort of, you know, gives a bit of action in the middle of it. And um you know, but it it shows how secure they actually are in this place, you know, um, and mm-hmm. how they've managed to survive in this sort of big compound. Because I mean, for those that um, are sort of you know haven't, I, I don't know what it was like in the game, but it's it, you know it's basically a cornered off kind of little cul-de-sac essentially that he's just fenced off the entire thing. So they've they've got little shops set up and and all that sort of stuff. Even though there's just the two of them. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's, uh, very much shows sides of their characters, I think in that little scene, um, you know, Bill, Bill sort of very overly confident and Frank worrying and yeah, it's, it's just a really nice scene. That. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Frank's got the same reaction as like all of the audience would have, which is like, yeah. what are you doing, Bill? Get inside. Yeah. kind of thing which it, like we could obviously relate to him a bit more on on that side of things um yeah it's very interesting how this kind of plays out in the game because of, of again there's longer gameplay sections but um you're again playing as joel with ellie as the npc with you and you're going through the town which again that's where you come across the optional uh, arcade game conversation and uh you're walking through and like over the course of of the 10 15 minute gameplay section whatever it would be through bill's town um Joel will start explaining to Ellie about like, hey, just like this guy's really paranoid. Try not to say too much. Just certainly don't touch anything. Obviously, she she does uh, to yeah. the point where she takes those books, and uh, she's like, okay, okay, you know, I won't. I'll I'll, I'll hold back and, and whatnot, which she doesn't end up doing. But um, you'll come across a set of wires in in the game around various different corners of buildings, and uh, Joel kind of has this annoyed, like this frustrated reaction. Where he's like, uh, I can't remember exactly what he says word for word, but he's like, "Oh, for God's sake, Bill!" With, like with, with with these traps, because they they can actually you can actually step into them yourself in the game and right, accidentally yeah. blow yourself up. The way the game uh, mechanically works with this is uh, what you're supposed to do is throw bricks, because obviously you can throw bricks to like distract enemies and break certain windows and whatnot. And you have to throw the the bricks, um, particularly at the wire. You do have like a indicator to show you where the brick's going to go and if you in fact don't have any bricks on you the game will like spawn some bricks next to these wires <laughs> um, and there's like some really craftily put ones because obviously 
things like uh, the, the grass in these areas, like nobody's been taking care of that. Things are all overgrown, as as you've seen in the show, because you know, no, there's no gardeners taking care of this this sort of stuff or whatever. Uh, there's no sort of like functioning society. So um, some of them are a bit more craftily sort of hidden, and you kind of go through the game like that, and then you eventually come across uh, Bill's. Uh, section as well uh, there's also a part where um i don't know how they would have done this in the show necessarily um you walk into one of bill's traps at one point and um it's one that's designed to like pick somebody up and like dangle them in the air by their ankles and uh, it's like an upside down gameplay section uh, which lasts for a few minutes where um there's like a counterweight i think it's like a fridge or something like that that bill's attached to this wire and you get caught and flung up into the air as Joel. You have, like... I don't think you can use double-handed weapons in that. You only can use, like, the, the pistols and stuff. And uh, there's clickers and stuff and runners coming over this fence. And you base It's like a timed sort of section where you have to kill the clickers and whatnot that's coming. And, like, protect Ellie. Because Ellie's got her knife out. She's trying to cut this counterweight down. And uh, it's actually upside down. Like, so you've got the view of Joel... Joel but it's upside down because that's where he's looking and you just do that a few times um, until that happens and then once you eventually get cut down from it Bill then appears and uh, um, says something to Joel or whatever and then you run off with, with, with the two of them and you deal with a few more infected and whatnot. Um, interestingly enough in the, in the second game when you're playing as Ellie and you're with Dina uh, who's Ellie's girlfriend in, in, in part 2 uh, that's not really a spoiler but um, in part 2 and you are going to a, I think it's a satellite tower, because you're looking for another character. I won't say which one, because that would be spoilers. Uh, you're looking for another character, and because you're, you, you're trying to sort of like find where somebody is, but also pursue somebody else. And you come across, again, this like town of sorts, and you come across some wires. And Ellie references like, oh, oh this is that guy's traps sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, Bill's supposed to be... Bill in the story at that point um, is not dead, but he's supposed to be uh, so he's supposed to be still alive, but you don't see him, so you don't know if like he's nearby necessarily. Yeah. But you come across him in it, you come across the thing in that way. Uh, so again, you do it's a, it's like a cool little reference. You do the same thing um, where you take care of the the bricks and whatnot. So um, yeah, what do you kind of think of the the, the gameplay side of things and how that um, maybe translates? Yeah, I can see how the traps would work as a gameplay mechanic and i mean it works in the uh tv show as well definitely um i i think i mean one of the one of the interesting changes like you say you know we see bill slightly differently in this because uh you know they don't directly meet in the tv show and we don't meet you know well not other than in flashback or flash forward depending which bit of the time you're going for but mm -hmm. uh you know they don't meet in the sort of 2023 current day um and i i think that works sort of quite well because the gameplay mechanics of sort of joel going there and basically being you know bill gives him this side quest I think if you'd done that for the TV show of like, you know, Joel and Ellie turn up and then Bill sends them off to get a battery and, I, you know, works as a gameplay mechanic because it gives the player something to do. Um, whereas you, this is something you couldn't really have done 
in the game because there's not really gameplay in there. What it is is story. And mm-hmm. um, I like how they've altered this to give them this option of, of you know, telling this really lovely story of these these two guys, um, which you just couldn't have done in the game, but doesn't take anything away from the game. As you say, it's, it's, it's this really clever way of expanding stuff out uh, and, and giving people who are fans of the game something more that they haven't seen before, whilst also creating really good tv drama so um the writing in this and the direction and the way that they've constructed it i think is incredibly clever uh you know uh, so yeah because this is not i mean yeah you would have had some sort of set pieces of sort of you know joel and lelly going off to find a battery and and that sort of stuff but it wouldn't be nowhere near as interesting as what we actually got from this episode yeah (laughs) so i also don't know that you know having a scene with Pedro and Bella where like he's trying to throw a brick at a wire trap would yeah, uh, exactly. would, would translate as well. You Maybe know. it would, but like they didn't choose to take that option. So Yeah. Think things like that that are gameplay elements don't necessarily need to translate directly over onto a TV show. And that's absolutely fine as long as you're doing something interesting with the story in the T V show and they are. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's the Raiders part. Um, cut to a scene after passing a bit of time. Frank wakes up in the middle of the night to get into his wheelchair. Bill is confused and uh, Frank tells him it's his last day. So this is a little bit after the other. Yeah, we should with, uh, you with sort the wheelchair of stuff. Yes, yeah, skipped huh? over. You've skipped over one little bit, which is the fact that that Frank has become ill with something we don't know exactly what i suspect it's something along the lines of maybe parkinson's or you mentioned it's an some... mri thing doesn't it yeah yeah because they have this conversation about um you know mris not existing and and uh you know they're talking about sort of you know uh they have they sit down and have this this conversation about you know maybe we could fix it you know maybe we could talk to joel and and there'll be you know hospitals you could go to and we could get medical help and like frank's going yeah but they couldn't do anything about this illness before all this happens so right, what yeah. the hell is the chance of them doing anything about it now so yeah mm-hmm. uh so yeah, that all gets explained um bill is confused and frank tells him it's his last day after some emotional scenes together just with them talking about what's kind of going on and some very incredible acting especially like the facial acting here from nick offerman um yeah. as it's as that like realization sets in and that uh bill eventually agrees somewhat they spend the uh, day together and gets to the ultimate moment uh it's been agreed that Bill will put some like pills of sorts into Frank's wine because they really, really like wine. Um, they both then drink <laughs> before the moment uh, of the aftermath begins. Frank um, says about Bill putting some in the bottle and he says, yeah, he, he did that. He did uh, actually do that. Uh, Bill explains that uh, he has fulfilled his purpose, which was his life with Frank. He sort of says, you were my purpose. So like his life that he's lived and that he's satisfied um, and they both kind of uh, go off screen, and that is the last that you see of the two of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, some very, very emotional stuff here, and um, 
this did, uh, yeah, this is, this is a twist for the games because I kind of thought, I, I was thinking in my mind about like, because um, I, was, I, I was looking at the way they were doing Frank's story here particularly. And I was thinking, okay, if you are going to do the same thing as the game, this, um, and obviously certain mental health issues can be a bit more hidden to others uh, and that sort of thing, I understand that. But I was looking at sort of the trying to look at the mental state of Frank and look at the uh, emotional state of him. <clears throat> and as he was talking to Bill about what's going on, I was kind of thinking, okay, this doesn't seem like a man... It doesn't seem like that same scene is going to happen in the same way. That wasn't being lined up that way. And it, that, that doesn't mean he has to die in the same way, but you know Frank is going to die, or at least the people that know that from the story do know that. I was thinking, okay, how are they working their way around this and what, what are they sort of doing? Um... And obviously get to like the pills thing. Because um, it didn't necessarily matter the method of how he died. It was how you necessarily got to that. But this isn't the same. Because from what we understand in the game. It's just Frank got really really like depressed with the world. And you know hung himself. Mm -hmm. um, whereas this is kind of. He's got like a actual. Clearly something medically is wrong. And he's looking at the way the world is. As you mentioned with the whole. Like how is he supposed to sort this out. So he wants to just have his last day so he still does end up dead but it's it, it's in a very different way that still works because um, when you <clears throat> when you get to uh him in in the game you just walk through a it's, it's like you, you get into a building or something like that and uh frank's just there already hung but he's, cl he's clearly been there like a long long time you can tell as well and like bill doesn't really want to talk about it or or anything like that but um this played out very differently and then I was kind of thinking, okay, they're going to do that, and then Bill will, I don't know, settle him down in in a bed or something, and then you'll have him meet John and Ellie. But of course, this is where the twist comes in, which is, um, and it's one that it, it is sad, but if you look at it from Bill's perspective, it kind of makes sense, which is, okay, if you die, and there is really nothing else, obviously he can leave and go and find other people or something else, but Bill himself has chosen that like um he's going to just end his life with franks um because i i wouldn't and maybe some people might say this is, this is the wrong way to look at it i wouldn't specifically look at either of what they're doing here and call it specifically suicide in the traditional sense this is more kind of they've looked at the situation and this is where some of that the gray area sort of stuff comes in um is like if you look at what Frank is describing and they both have had this such this nice life together and instead of them sort of struggling outside of this sat this life that they're very satisfied in they've chosen that to just be their last point mm -hmm. um and Bill because n n neither of the if you look at like the the mannerisms of these characters or other, n neither of them are specifically showing <clears throat> suicidal tendencies it's more just analyzing the situation and thinking, okay, we we can't help Frank's condition, and Bill has kind of chosen to to join him, but it's more just kind of instead of us getting because they, they they do kind of age them both up a little bit. If you notice, like with with yeah, uh, yeah. With, with with Bill's beard and stuff, they're both kind of getting old. And I think Bill specifically says like, "I'm old, I'm satisfied," and this is kind of. Um, I mean, technically, from from both of them, it's you could label it as assisted suicide in a certain way, uh, specifically from Bill's side to Frank's. But um, I I just think this 
could be looked at as as different to that. What what do you kind of think of the choices well, that are made here? Yeah, it is. I mean, I would say it is assisted suicide, certainly in the uh, and From I mean Bill it is Frank, su- yeah, yeah. It certainly um, Frank's is is definitely an assisted suicide. Bill's arguably is a suicide. I mean, it is, but um, it is sort of understandable in this extreme situation um given the you know they are each other's world yeah that's that's what it's become they they don't really have huge amounts of communication with the outside world with the exception of sort of joel and tess maybe um those really are the only other people as you know the letter sort of shows later is like sort of to whom it may concern but probably joel uh it's addressed to um so they 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 really are the only people in each other's lives and bill you know when frankie's quite right in that he has an illness which is incurable and in this sort of world it's only going to get even worse so he takes the point of view that he wants to control when he dies and he has the last day you know he has a perfect last day and and bill decides that why he doesn't want to go back to being the person that he was before and living Mm -hmm. just on his own um i mean it's incredibly tragic but there is something sort of quite beautiful about it as well you know so um and i like how vague they are about exactly i mean it it, it's obvious what happens but the way that they talk about it in terms of you know because he spells it out of like this is what's going to happen we're going to have the last day we're going to wear what i want you to wear we're going to go to pick out the clothes you're going to make a nice meal we're going to drink a bottle of wine and you're going to put these pills in it and crush up this bag of pills i'm going to put it in it and this they have this little conversation about sort of weren't there enough pills in the bottle and bill goes yes there were and they both drunk out of the bottle um because he sort of he puts additional pills into the wine in bill puts additional pills into the wine in front of frank and like he goes well weren't the pills in the bottle and he goes yes they were and they have this sort of quite sort of tragic sweet conversation where going sort of i understand i'm mad as hell but you know i understand and then they go off to bed together and it's it's just this beautifully tragic sort of scene um really quite sweet in in a sort of twisted sort of way um but yeah i mean i i really love what they did with the characters there and i think it 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 works better for this version of frank that we've seen who has been very kind of positive upbeat throughout the whole thing for Mm -hmm. if they'd followed the game and you'd suddenly got to a point where Frank's just decided to hang himself because, you know, the world's not worth living in and whatever else that wouldn't work for this characterization that they've used here. Yeah. They hadn't built up to that at all. So that's why I was kind of wondering, you know, how they'd get to that, but then they changed it. So yeah. Um, Which made sense. and, And as I said before, I, I don't think it takes anything away. I think it rather adds to the fact that, you know, when we get to the final scenes and Joel and Ellie arrive and he's expecting to find Bill and 
he then discovers what had happened and what they did and he's on they're on their own again i think that actually works better for the tv show you know because you're focused very much on joel and ellie um you know and i don't think having them you know frank kill himself and then having bill there and you know being sort of miserable grumpy and sending them off on a quest to find a battery i just just wouldn't really have added anything i think them mm. turning up having told this story in this way and then having john and ellie turn, ellie turn up um and you know find the stuff that they need because it would it also makes more sense the fact that you know it's a battery i look at the amount of stuff and how much of a prepper bill was mm-hmm. it, it actually doesn't make much sense that he wouldn't have the facility to make a battery within his own garage there you know um it, that that actually makes far more sense story-wise that that the battery you know the stuff to make the battery or a battery is available there for them to be able to put in the car and like take it rather than them having to go off and find something so Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of um, <clears throat> Ellie and Joel, we cut back to actual present, which is 2023. Uh, Ellie and Joel arrive at Bill's, the place clearly not being kept as Joel expected. You, he notices, like, hey, things look like nobody's been here for a bit. Uh, they enter the house, and Ellie finds a letter while telling Joel. Uh, sorry, Joel. While well, Joel tells her to stay by the door and shout if anything happens, they let her explain Bill's. Uh, state of mind that he and Frank are both um, dead and leaves a key behind uh, for his garage slash bunker of sorts. Uh, At the same point during all of this while Joel is investigating Ellie finds a gun and uh, Joel's not there so she puts it in her bag uh, and decides to uh, actually you know she keeps it in her bag so that's gonna probably come into play later on. Mm -hmm. Um, They then find the the car uh, from Bill's basement and they uh, end up leaving we'll talk about the final shot particularly um in the next paragraph but yeah um she finds a sneaky way of getting it getting a gun um yeah outside of all the the thing with that um yeah so it's joel and obviously ellie here and um yeah his his reaction is kind of interesting it's like oh well they both dead and you know and that kind of stuff and he he sort of names off some more sort of obvious things from the letter um they also get to a point as well where I can't remember the exact sentence, but um, Tess is brought up, and then Ellie stops reading and gives it to him, mm-hmm. and uh, you know says about taking care. I think it's about taking care of Tess or something. Yeah. Um, and they both kind of give the look, obviously, because she's already gone. Um, there's actually a bit in the in the game which I think this is supposed to relate to that, which is just as you're about to like go outside, like out from Bill's bunk, once you've been given like some some stuff. Um, there's this, uh, um, I think it's like a run, either a runner or a click or something, um, that's trapped in one of Bill's traps and he, he's trying to cut its head off. And, um, uh, was it Bill asks, uh, Joel about Tess and he says, oh, where, where, where is she? And Joel sort of like vaguely pushes it off and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, and then Bill sort of says, oh, I'm, I'm sensing trouble in paradise. And, uh, Joel's just like, yeah, you could say that. And then they don't bring it up again. So, um, but you sort of read that scene in the game as like, okay, I think Bill kind of gets that 
that probably means she's dead. Because um, when he says trouble in paradise, usually somebody will say trouble in paradise, and they're talking about a married couple. Usually, is mm-hmm. where that where that sort of comes up. Of like, oh, so somebody mentions like, oh, well, I've got trouble with so and so, who they're married to or in a relationship with, and it'll usually come up as like, oh, is there trouble in paradise? That's usually where that comes up. So, but it, in this situation, I do think that's probably Bill saying, you know, um, is she dead, sort of thing, and he probably knows that she is. Obviously, none of that comes up here, but. Um, that's sort of like an alternate way to put that in, in terms of, hey, make sure you take care of Tess. And then Ellie and Joel sort of have this reaction. So, um, yeah, Ellie has a has a gun now. Joel doesn't even know. Um, how do you think that's all going to kind of play out? Um, well, bear in mind, I know how that plays out. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's it's one of those things that's been a running gag really since Ellie was first introduced. Um, and what I rather like about this is is they are it, it's not just a running gag; it is something which comes into play. So um, yeah, the the uh, and also it sort of makes sense that Ellie does get a gun at some point because it's incredibly dangerous out there they can get separated i mean butterfly knife is fine but you do want to have to her to have a little bit more protection than that so um so yeah i mean her getting a gun is one thing but the whole letter thing i i thought was was quite beautiful and and yeah they they get to a point in the letter where he's basically saying here are the keys to you know the bunker it's filled with stuff um and then you know he's Bill sort of saying, make sure you use it to protect Tess. And that's the point where sort of Ellie stops reading and hands Joel the letter. Um, but yeah, I, I like to say, I do like the way the letter was addressed of sort of to whom it may concern, but probably Joel. I thought yeah. it was quite sweet. Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that was all uh, very good as well. Um, the episode ends with Joel explaining to Ellie about finding Tommy. That's where they're going to next. Because, uh, yes, Tommy is still in, in the story, Gabriel Luna. Uh, Joel finds a car battery, and um, they, they both shower. Ellie cleans up as well. Uh, they both leave. Um, as they do, we get one last shot from Bill and Frank's bedroom, but it's looking outside uh, into, you know, outside onto the street as opposed to into the window. Mm-hmm. Um, as like a kind of a nice... There's a few shots of like certain loadings... Not loading screens, sorry. Of the... Um, uh, what was it? The uh, menu screen of the of the first game, because uh, the menu screen of the second game is is different to that. But uh, yeah, this like it's this like window shot type of thing, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of iconic. Which might be a little bit of a callback to that actually. Probably is. Probably uh, is. which is which is kind of cool. So um, w- regardless of what version you play of the first game, I think it's in there each time. So that's that's kind of nice. Um, and that's the again it's kind of beautifully beautifully tragic this entire episode really and that's kind of like a beautifully tragic sort of final shot as well so Mm -hmm. um yeah got a bit a bit little bit of a different look to them now ellie and joel um joel's got his hair a little bit more sort of slicked back obviously that's pedro pascal um because yeah they do have different sort of looks throughout the different parts of the game and depending on which version of the game you're playing you can unlock different things for them as well so that was that was kind of cool um so yeah any thoughts on this last little piece of the episode 
Uh, no, I mean, I I did note that they were they were sort of changed and tidied up a little bit at the end of this. Uh, yeah, that which which was nice because you know Ellie makes the comment of God, they've got hot water. I'm taking a shower, you know. Um, and it's like you really really should. Like, really yeah, should. yeah. <laughs> said you really really should as well. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was quite sweet. Uh, then, as I say, it makes far more sense the fact that you know, they're not going to go off and find a battery somewhere Bill has a battery or has the components for making a battery and Joel can put it together. Yeah, Yeah. of of course he's going to have that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. He was Bill, you know. So that makes far more sense than, you know, him going off and saying, oh, you need to go and find a battery over here. So from from a narrative point of view, that actually makes a lot more sense than it does of sending him off on a side quest. So mm-hmm. uh, that was great. And and ending on that shot, because there is a point in the letter where he says, you know, don't come into the bedroom. Uh, we opened the window to make sure it didn't smell. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought it's just, it's a really beautiful way to end it. And it, it it's just brilliant throughout this episode i thought it was really quite wonderful mm-hmm. there's a little uh gun conversation again when they, they first get into the bunker and there's like a ton of guns all over the wall <laughs> yeah and it's like hey can i have one of these maybe you want like one of the little ones or whatever and he's like no you can't but then she she finds one later on so yeah we'll see when that comes into play i can think of one particular big moment scene that that sticks out which we will uh probably get to so there's that. That's the end of the episode. We've got two emails, two bits of feedback this week. Again, remember, we're doing these out of sync. So uh, we will catch up with the with the emails when, when they come through at different points. But remember, we're doing these a little bit early. Um, we're doing episode four on, on Friday as well. So once that um, all these episodes have come out, we'll be back onto a, a normal schedule. Uh, but don't worry, I won't like miss or skip on any, any emails. Um, we'll read them as they come through by the time we record the episodes. That's just how we'll deal with them. So even if they have emails from like episode one and we're covering episode four, we'll still talk about whatever those are. So <clears throat> uh, anyway, you can write in to uh, matthewentertainmenttalk.org, Twitter eTalkUK is the contact page information in your show notes, email box on the website version of the episode. And a clickable email name in the show notes as well. John says, wow, two in a row, because we read two of his emails in a row. Uh, thanks. Basic question, but hey, uh, what other video game adaptions do you want for TV? So specifically asking for TV. Um, I was going to mention a Call of Duty film, but you've asked about TV, because I, I think COD could work as a as a film. I've got my own ideas about that, but... Um, for TV, um, a few people in the last couple of days have brought up like Red Dead Redemption. Uh, I think that could work quite yeah. well as like a live action western. Uh, there's a lot of story in there as well. Uh, the, the second game is like really, really, really long. So um, that that is a show where if you adapted that, you've possibly got like eight, ten seasons. Because uh, if you include the first game as well, um, there's there's a lot that you could do with that. Uh, so that would be one. Um, I would kind of like to see another season of Cyberpunk, but I understand why they can't do one. Um, so that would be interesting. Um, Netflix is doing Horizon and they're doing a Gears of War film. I'd prefer a TV show, a Gears of War, because there's quite a lot that you could do with that. Um, other TV show adaptions. I wouldn't mind seeing, um, it's got some Last of Us-esque sort of parts to it, but a Plague Tale. Uh, the first and second game of those, because that's kind of, um, because that's like a brother and sister called Hugo and Amicia. And essentially, there's like this rat infestation, and he um, is affected 
by it and needs to go off and see a doctor. Not in the same way of like, oh, he's got the cure sort of thing. Uh, it's not like it's not like a zombie story in, in that sort of way, uh, like The Last of Us is, but that's got some similar parts to it. Um, what else could you could you do? Um, I'm not quite sure. Though those are some of the ones that you could. I I just I think with more kind of casual fun stuff, like if you were to take Crash Bandicoot or something, or maybe COD, um, you could do those as like quicker films. But I think when it comes to TV, that needs to be the longer form, deeper, like The Witcher type of areas or whatever storytelling. Um, so any games that sort of cover that, so like Mass, I think Mass Effect is getting one, isn't it, for, for Amazon? Because um, <clears throat> that's one that you could uh, pull quite a lot from. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, th- those are those are a few that I could think of. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I mean Mass Effect is is one that I think <clears throat> um, I, I has a nice expansive world that you can build and play around in. Um, you know, I I, I think that. It's, and as I say, there is a there was talk of one. I don't know whether it's still in development or, or um, uh, you know, um, uh, I think there was one. I don't know whether it was an animated series or something, but um, I mean, a live action, um, a full blown live action show. I I think they did something for it. A while back, but um, there is there is supposed to be a new one coming. I think for that mm-hmm. uh, Fuller, I am very much looking forward to. I think that is is another brilliant world that you can play around with because it doesn't necessarily, you know, you, it's really the world with Fallout. You know, and yes, there are vault dwellers, but there is so much other stuff going on in that world that you can kind of do an anthology series where you might follow a vault dweller one series you might follow somebody from brotherhood next series you might follow a ghoul for the next series. you know there's there are various things that you can do in that world um i know dragon age has done an animated series but i'd quite like to see a live action like full-blown series like high budget series for that um I do wonder whether you could get away with making a Subnautica series. Um, Maybe. Maybe. It's tricky with that because it is entirely based on the fact that it's one person stranded on a planet, pretty much. Um, Maybe a film adaption for that then, like a castaway type thing. Yeah, I mean, it might work more as a film adaption with that because there's possibly not enough in terms of a sort of overall expansive world for that. Yeah. so yeah, I, I that maybe. Uh, plus, I mean, I just love those games. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else. Um, but yeah, the, the big narrative games more than anything else. I think the the problem, the way I'm looking at this in terms of the problem is because the only narrative that gets close in terms of quality to Last of Us, because in in my opinion, um, I think Last of Us is the best story told in games. The only one that gets close, and again, it's on that kind of like human deep level side, is Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. So the problem I look at it with now, like if you want to do something like this with this prestige, like high budget, high value sort of show, I'm struggling to think of other narratives that are 
as strong as that. And Red Dead Redemption, at, like, at, the, at the moment sitting here, is the only one I can think of. The other ones I can think of, like I said, with um, some of that Crash Bandicoot, would be would be more in the vein of like a Sonic or Mario thing, where it's like two hours, you have fun with Crash and the characters and, and that sort of it. But if you're talking big level HBO prestige stuff, um, Playtale could work for that, and so could Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, um, I think Cyberpunk worked pretty well as an anime because it is kind of over the top and crazy and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, I um, mean the the other big worlds out there again, it but it's I I think that there are two there are two approaches. Some of them are things like The Last of Us, which have an incredibly strong narrative in the game itself. Um, I mean Bioshock, I guess, is another one which they've. I think they are talking about doing as I think well. Netflix is doing a film for that. Yeah, and I I, maybe that would work as a film. Um, but if you want something which is, uh, you know, things like Mass Effect have the advantage of having a big, expansive world to play in, um, whereas things like, uh, so you don't necessarily need to do exact ad- adaptations of things you did in the video game i think that's sort of the same i mean red dead has has it's basically a western so if you're going to do that you sort of need to include the characters from the video game whereas if you went for something like um the elder scrolls franchise for example has this huge expansive world same with dragon age you don't necessarily need to follow an exact character you can basically just pick up that world and use it as the basis of a sort of sand pit to play in mm-hmm. um yeah. and it's the same with fallout you know you're not necessarily having to follow a specific storyline in fact that's probably not the way you want to do it what you want to do is tell other stories within that world so um i i think that's the two ways you look at it one of one of which is you can take something and follow uh, something which has a very tight story like like bioshock like um last of us or you can take the game world itself um I mean, which is a slightly odd one because of the fact that there are books which have a strong narrative that you can follow. Uh, And there is a central character to that, but it is also a big expansive world as well. So that has sort of a mixture of both. Mm -hmm. The thing I don't really get with the narrative of The Witcher is, okay, the book came first, the game is based on the book, and the show isn't based on, on the game it's based on the book but both the game and the show are based on the same material so technically the show is also based off the game because it's based off the book well yeah yeah so. yeah and and i think the show also takes some elements from the game which aren't in the book but were added for the game as well so the 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 mm-hmm. show is a little bit of a mix of the of both um because people know both you know a lot of people won't have read the witcher books but know the game inside out so um yeah i mean there there are different ways of doing it and i think like i say you either have a big expansive world or you you have something which has a strong narrative which you can follow but the things with the work with with worlds like the elder scrolls and uh fallout is it gives you a much bigger sandbox to play in. So I think, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Ubisoft are doing a uh, animated TV show for Splinter Cell. 
Um, yeah. That's that's something you could very much do, like a, a proper full-on espionage live action thing, yeah. like a, like a yeah, 24 or something. Yeah. Uh, that'd be that'd be very, very cool. Um, there was one other one that I just thought of, but I've, I've forgotten it. So uh, those are a few examples. Um, lastly, Nathan writes in and says, I'm not a massive gamer, but I do like to play video games sometimes. You, you do what you're going to do. Uh, more of a TV um, person and enjoy reading. I uh, definitely want to play The Last of Us, but see, there are different versions of both games. What do you recommend I do? Um, I'm going to recommend you the most... Obviously, buy whatever you want. I'm not telling you what to buy. You're asking for recommendations. So, um, I, you, you haven't said specifically which console you've got, whether you have got a PS3, 4, or 5. Obviously, you can't play Part 2 on PS3 because it would not work on that. Um, my recommendation would be... On PS5, you play part one. Um, you, you, I, I'd recommend you enable a few accessibility settings as well. Um, not because of like your ability to play the game, but some some elements of it that are very, very cool and I think add quite a lot to the experience. Um, I'd then recommend that you... That there's a This isn't confirmed, but there's a lot of rumours out there that there's a director's cut version, like a PS5 version of part two coming out, which I think what that was supposed to be do is take some of the accessibility features like some of the ones I just I just mentioned um and also make it obviously playable on PS5 um I mean that could be like a couple of years away uh I'd recommend that you do that obviously what I'm recommending there is that you buy a hypothetical PS5 game and a PS5 game and also a PS5 if you haven't got one if you do have a PS4 um I would still safely recommend that you play the remastered version of uh, Last of Us 1 and then play Last of Us Part 2 which is a PS4 game um, I I mean if you've only got because um, again you haven't said which consoles you've got but if you've only got a PS3 yeah you can play and you can experience the story of The Last of Us you're not really going to get like the greatest gameplay experience from that because um, even like Neil and a few of the other people on the Naughty Dog team have said like yeah, that was a really great game. We were very limited on what we could do. You're talking about a, a console which, you know, had its last game in 2013. So, like, a basically a 10-year-old console. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, it, ultimately, it's up to you. It's your money. You buy, you know, which, which versions of whatever you want. Um, but my lot, my least recommended path is you get it for PS3 because you're just not going to get the greatest gameplay experience. Also, the PS3 just isn't great as a console anymore so yeah. um yeah if you've, if you've got a ps4 I, w- I would say yeah buy buy get the remastered and get um the, i think they might be on the ps plus category or something um and play part two but if you want like the best of both then i would just say that the ps5 versions um so yeah and also remember the the left behind thing that we've talked about that's available with the package of last of us part one so if you buy last of us part one you'll get left behind uh, the DLC with it, which we haven't got to that episode in the show yet, but you'll uh, you'll find that there. Uh, Last of Us Part Two on PS4 is still an incredible game. I just think if they do do the version that they're rumored to do, which is like a director's cut, taking the technology from Part One, it's also like facial animations and like character models and stuff. Uh, that would be a better version of that game. So a little bit more complicated than it needs to be, but um, I I would say blame it on the ps3's cell processor because that sort of held the game <laughs> well back. yeah so yeah um 
yeah would would you have any different recommendations there's only really a few options you can take so. no i mean i i think that all makes sense i mean you know depends what console you get i mean it is also coming out on pc uh last of us part yes. one is out on pc for the first time that. that is on the third of march um so i i presume that's the latest remake of you know that's going to be a remake of the ps5 version i would yeah. assume so that's going to have all the bells and whistles on it as well so um if i mean if you've got a pc that could run it which i would check mm-hmm. first because i suspect it's going to be quite high spec uh then there is that version available as well so that would be the only other thing i would mention but um yeah in in terms of the other things i would get the you know as matt recommended mm-hmm. um so third th- of march yeah uh that's when that comes out because they said third of the third 2023 um that's kind of cr- is that when near when the season finale is because that would make yeah, interesting sense yeah i think the season finale is on the 8th of march so Ooh, it, it comes out just yeah i mean <laughs> it makes sense makes sense to do it for that yeah also pedro will still be on tv because he'll be in the mandalorian so yes that is uh, true if if you're a last of us fan if you're a mandalorian fan a star wars fan a pc gamer it's uh it, it's a good time to to, to be involved in all that so yeah uh yeah that's it for this week's episode thank you all very much for listening dave thanks for joining me yet again uh and thank you for the uh the sorting out the screeners and whatnot uh looking forward to watching episode four tomorrow then we'll be doing the podcast on friday but um yeah you'll hear all of that in in a couple of weeks time so thank you all very much for listening uh, you can find everything else that we do on entertainmenttalk.org that's for tv games films main night podcasts take a look out for all of that uh, for that as well um yeah podcast platforms entertainmenttalk.org search for our name and check out our, our stuff if you want to f- support us in other ways you can tell other people about what we do and where they can find it either by telling them or using social media whatever you want to do with that um patreon uh, patreon five dollar ten dollar level tiers for the every podcast review options have a look out for that as well if you'd like to there's always links for those things in in, in the show notes as well so take a look out for those uh tv and film news over on geek town david what is happening over there uh well we've got lots of news of course going up on the main site at geektown.co.uk uh we just released the latest geek town radio podcast so that covers um lots of news and stories uh we did reviews of that 90s show i spoke a bit about schmigadoon which is a musical comedy which is on apple tv which is immense amounts of fun uh daryl was on this week and was talking about uh four novels which come from brandon sanderson who is a uh, sci-fi writer who during lockdown wrote four secret novels uh, without telling anybody and then launched them on Kickstarter, which became the most successful Kickstarter campaign of all time, um, raising over 40 million on Kickstarter for those books. Um, the uh, Yeah, I did say at the time, maybe you should have a word with George R.R. R. Martin about how yes. you write things quite quickly, because <laughs> uh, he wrote four during lockdown and George is still not finished. Um, he also talked about The Glory, which is a Korean drama, which is on um, uh, Netflix. And um, he says it's probably the best thing he's seen this so far this year. So there's lots of interesting stuff up on Geek Town Radio this week. That's uh, episode 367. You can get that on geektown.co.uk and, of course, on all podcast platforms where you usually find your podcasts. Uh, there's also on Geek Town the uh, air dates and stuff if you want to know when TV shows are coming back and the Never Miss system if you want to keep track of uh, shows and get alerts when the shows come back on air. 
Sweet. Let's go and check that out. Geek Town Radio, geektown.co.uk. Uh, for other people, you can find Bex as well over on Twitch, uh, Trista B-Y-T-E-S for retro chat, game streams, and all other sorts of fun stuff. You can find me over on Twitch semi-regularly uh, over there doing different gaming streams over on eTalk UK. And if you want to see those archive streams, the other episodes of things or other game clips, I've got very, very good at sniping recently on Call of Duty, so if you want to check that out. Um, some shots where I've surprised myself. Um, check that out over on YouTube, which is Entertainment Talk Plays. Um, thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.